Well, let's welcome back Kevin Luco to Systematically Wild here. And, and Kevin, uh, Wild go out on the road this week. And you and I are, are recording the show on Tuesday, so we're going to get five games in here. But uh, a decent road trip when, when two of the four games come home and win a game there. So club looking like, uh, you know, you want to say kind of a mediocre week, but winning two or four games on the road is never a bad thing, I think. No, it's not. That's a that's a tough road trip when you head out west. It's you know they started at Dallas, as we talked about last week, and got the win there and had a little retreat before dropping a game in Calgary and then dropping another one in Edmonton. But you have to give the club credit for a nice bounce back victory on Saturday night in Vancouver on the back end of a back to back. So. Yeah, you know, you take the positive there. You got the two out of the four wins and come home on Tuesday night and get revenge on the Oilers winning a tight two-to-one game. So, so yeah, it's a, been kind of a wild pattern this year. You know, you just a little bit above average. But in the end, it's still enough uh, if we look at it. um I don't think a lot of fans are overly happy with the way the seasons began, but when you look at the standings, they're still right in the thick of the playoff race. I, I think one thing you like is one goal over the last two games that they've allowed here, and Vancouver and Edmonton are pretty good offensive clubs, so when you're shutting down two opponents like that, you feel like whatever system that the coaching staff is looking to implement, you're starting to get a feel that they're, they're understanding and playing better with it. Sometimes, too, it's just a matter of getting your guys to buy into that system. I know there was a thing where we felt um, Keon Addison was not playing well enough in on the defensive side of the ice, and ironically, he comes back on Saturday night, and like you said, the two games he's played again, played once again, the team's only allowed a total of one goal, and that's saying something when one of those games is against um, McDavid and Drysaddle. Well, tough start to the week there in Calgary, Kevin, is that they get a 2 nothing lead on Calgary on the Flames and then wind up giving three unanswered goals before tying the score, then give up two goals late in the third period to wind up suffering that loss. You know, no, no, I mean, Calgary's a pretty good offensive club. They, they got some talent there, but... You know, you jump out to a 2 nothing lead like that on the road, you know you got to clamp down. And it looked like the team just did not – they let the Flames get into the game and just could not douse them at that point. Well, nice play on words there. I did catch that. Yeah, Thank you. Right out, right, right, out of my, right out of my book. Um, but I, I did not see the game personally. I just followed along on online. I was busy that night, but – Sound like the big bugaboo was getting into penalty trouble, and that's what uh, allowed the Flames to get back into the game and eventually take the lead. And you know, a late goal in the third period ended up costing the Wild in a five to three loss. Mark Andre Fleury gives up four goals on twenty six shots in the contest. Um, nice two point performance by Mason Shaw. Who continues him and Connor Dewar both with two points in the game. Continue to prove that the system is developing guys out there. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to be negative about that because Calgary really is a pretty good club. They, they were the you know the top team in that conference last year for the most part, except for when it came to playoff time. Um, but, 
you know, again, you're, you're out on the road and you wind up taking some penalties and you give up two power play goals. And special teams seem to have been very good for this team, Kevin, but, you know, ha- had some troubles with this, uh, with the special teams this week. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a bit of an issue in the Calgary game. And, you know, from what I hear, the of the four goals they scored on Fleury, Fleury pretty much didn't have a chance on most of them. There was maybe one they said that he might want back. But it's, um, they just couldn't um, contain a, a Calgary team who has underperformed a bit this year, but maybe they're on the verge of breaking out and doing some stuff. So. So, yeah, it goes in the book as a 5-3 loss. On Friday, kind of a reverse situation, Kevin. Edmonton jumps out to a 2-0 lead. Minnesota battles back to tie the game, including a Matt Zuccarella power play goal that tied the score. But then they give up three unanswered goals. Edmonton scores twice on the power play. As I was mentioned, a tough week for special teams, especially their penalty killing this week. And something that I, it looked like as the weekend went along and they got into Vancouver, something they were able to rectify and get a little bit better performance out of. And yes, Vancouver does have some weapons, but they don't have the elite um, players that Edmonton has up front. And that proved to be the difference in the game on Friday night. Well, heading on to Saturday then, they, they travel on to Vancouver three Canadian games in four days. That, that's a pretty tough schedule out there, but Augustuson comes out with a fine performance with them, shutting out uh, Vancouver, stopping all 35 shots. It's kind of a uh, a nice Iowa wild night there as Matt Boldy with his 10th of the season and Connor Dewar with a goal, a power play and a shorthanded goal for the team. So great rebound performance, as you were mentioning earlier. And keeping with the Iowa Wild team, Sammy Walker made his NHL debut on Saturday night, and all reports were from the team that they thought he played very well and provided a bit of a spark to the club. So it was nice to see. You know, Walker's a pretty pretty good story. He was a seventh-round pick by Tampa Bay. They just couldn't come to terms on the contract, and Walker ended up making a deal to play for the hometown wild, which is always tough. It's always tough, they say, for players to play in the NHL in their own home state because there's always going to be that pressure on them to perform. It's going to be constant. Hey, can you give me tickets for tonight? And, the, you know, the way as hockey crazy as Minnesota is, there's always going to be a spotlight on you. I mean, you could tell watching the post-game show on Saturday night, and they talked about Samuel Walker's game. Where if it was um, Joe Bag of Donuts that got called up from Iowa, probably not going to talk about it as much. But anyways, um, Walker almost had a goal in his NHL debut on a partial breakaway, and I thought he was a nice piece on that line with Freddie Gaudreau and Matt Boldy, and that's the line that's looking for another solid winger after losing Fiala to Los Angeles. Um, it's been a chore to find that a complimentary um, winger uh, to complete that line. So we'll see what Walker will do in the games to come because I know right now all the reports have been good. You know, the interesting thing about him, Kevin, is when he was signed by the Iowa Wild, he kind of had the feeling that, you know, there wasn't major expectations on it. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but it didn't seem like they were like, okay, here's a guy that we're going to, we're going to expect some a month or two into the season 
is going to be looking to make his way up the NHL ladder here. It, it was kind of like, well, here's a guy to fill in a roster spot kind of thing. But, boy, he really has proven himself well and has, you know, has earned every opportunity to get to the NHL team. Well, he went out and made a statement, and there are other guys from Iowa that have got their shot with Minnesota this year that just – they were they were kind of like wallpaper. You knew they were there, but they just don't really do anything to make your, the, themselves get noticed. And Walker came up and played well after really – it wasn't like he got handed a spot with Minnesota. He went out and earned it. It wasn't because – not to pick on a guy like Nick Patan, but Patan has had games in the NHL, and that may have warranted his call-up earlier this season. but. Walker just went out and earned everything he got. There's a, there's other young guys playing decent in Iowa that maybe could get a chance, but Walker went out and earned it. And I was thinking the same thing when the season began with Walker. That okay, well that would be a that's someone that could be like a third line guy, maybe somebody like a Nick Sweeney that has a few flashes in his first year in the AHL, but then gradually turns into a more well-rounded player. But I just didn't think that a month and a half into his professional career that um, Samuel Walker would be in the NHL. So kudos to him. As you mentioned, on Monday night, come away with a big 2-1 to victory over Edmonton, a little retaliation for Friday night's loss. And, and I thought kind of a, a justification moment there for Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, you know, I, from his standpoint, and I understand he's the number one guy. I don't think anybody's believing Gustafson is going to take his spot. But you look at Gustafson has a as a shutout Saturday night. You've given up four goals in back to back performances. You know, you know how hockey fans are and, and reporters. They're probably thinking, man, maybe this isn't the guy. But came back with a nice performance on Monday against the Oilers. Well, it's a chronic that uh, if the starter struggles, everybody falls in love with the backup. So I, that's just sports human nature, but. Fleury has shown once again why he will have to be the number one guy with this team if they want to make a serious run for the playoffs. And I believe um, the statistic was that it was his 10th win of the season and is now 18 different NHL seasons where Fleury has won 10 or more games. That's a lot of steam power, you know. Yeah. That's an impressive. Just on that alone, that's 180 victories. You know, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty impressive mark to be at there. Matt Boldy with a goal and an assist, power play goal for the uh, Wild is Boldy's goal there. They do give up another power play goal to to Edmonton on there. So five power play goals the opponents scored against them in the four games this week. Definitely, I know some of the coaching staff will be looking at here. But as we move forward into this week, Kevin, uh, the first of all, we should say the Minnesota Wild at 15, 11, and two. 32 points, they are in third place, seven points behind Dallas and five points behind Winnipeg. Uh, big week this week as they tra- take uh, welcome Detroit, welcome Chicago, and then welcome Ottawa. Three very winnable games for this team. I have to imagine the Wilder looking for a little bit of revenge after dropping a game to Detroit. It was in late October at Little Caesars Arena where – I did not see the game, but it just seemed like the Wild did not have a ton of life to them. Although, now think about it, I think they did outshoot Detroit that night, but they just couldn't seem to, couldn't seem to score. And it was during the 
stretch where goals were a little bit tough to come by, but I think you'll see a determined Minnesota team looking to avenge that defeat. And Detroit's a talented club, so I mean, it should be a heck of a game. I, I agree, and, and you know, Detroit is not what we've seen even a year ago. Uh, this is a much better club than I think we've seen in recent seasons. I just think you're looking at a situation where you're about to enter this Christmas holiday where you're going to have four days off. you got three more games at home, Detroit, Chicago, and Ottawa, and then travel on the road to Anaheim and San Jose. Two very winnable games. So this is an opportunity for the Wild to get a little momentum building into that Christmas break. I think they'd want to go into the Christmas break, cemented it into a playoff position, and that would be the key this week to try to run the table in the three games we've got. Well, let's drop down to the AHL, Kevin. A very tough start to the week for the Iowa Wild, who travel to Grand Rapids, where they get just hammered 6-2. But two great rebound games, victories over Rockford uh, on both. A shootout victory on Friday, an overtime victory on Saturday. Right now, as Kevin and I are talking, they're getting hammered by Rockford. But um, look very good. Nice victories against an Ice Hogs team that they – Traditionally, I've got great contests with, and, and they come away with two victories out of it. And I think they showed a lot of character, too, in getting those victories in that. You, they were the first two games that you didn't have Samuel Walker in the lineup, and um, Joseph Cramarosa was the guy that got sent back down, and Cramarosa did not get back in time to play any of the games. So the while, I believe, they were down to maybe nine or ten forwards for those two games, um, Batan was still up at Minnesota at the time. So, you know, it took a, took a pretty courageous effort on Saturday and Sunday to come out of Rockford with points. The Wednesday was a tough victory. Zane McIntyre returns to the club after sitting a lot uh, up at the NHL level, gives up five goals and 36 shots. Kind of understandable. Grand Rapids is not a, not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination, and that kind of layoff. Goalies like rhythm, Kevin, and when you're sitting for that long, you're not going to be in a rhythm for sure. No, it definitely is not an ideal situation. You can't replicate um, game action in practice. They do come back. Big victories, 3-2 to two on a, a shootout win on Friday night. Uh, the team is losing 2-1, to one, but Stephen Fogarty, who had a great weekend, comes away with his sixth goal at the 13-minute mark, scoring on the power play to tie the game at two, then they wind up he Fogarty actually winds up delivering the game winner in the uh, shootout session. And then on Saturday, they come back with another big 3-2 to two victory in overtime, this time with Ty Roning scoring on a spectacular play uh, where he makes a great move to, to wind up stealing the puck and then wind up creating a great scoring chance for himself. So Kevin Connolly with a goal, uh, Stephen Fogarty with a seventh goal in that game. The team comes away with two power play goals in two games against Rockford. You know, Ice Hogs are a team you're going to be battling with for playoff spots, and those are the kind of victories you got to get, Kevin. I was encouraged by that, too. It was a great effort by Ronnie on the game-winning goal in overtime, too, as he had a little, a little mini break. He got a shot on goal and got after his own rebound, knocked it in to give him the victory. And when you got veterans like Fogarty and Ronnie that are leading the team right now, I think that's a, that right there kind of shows you where the team leadership is coming from. Great goaltending performances in both games, too, Kevin. Ballstead with 37 saves on Friday night for the team in the victory. On Saturday, McIntyre rebounds with 27 saves. 
Uh, you know, I think goaltending should be strong for this club all season long. Now, as long as there's not a continual shifting up, if, if these two guys are the guys going forward, I, I think they've got to be pretty confident about their ability to win games. Yes, I, that's a good point. I think as long as they stay in the timeshare where one of them's not sitting around collecting rust, I think it's a heck of a combo for the Wild where they've got two goalies where they feel any night they go out, they don't, they got a good chance to win a game. You know, Kevin, I'm kind of curious about, because I don't think this is something you and I have talked really about at, at this particular level here, but I was kind of a little surprised. 3,200 on Friday night um, at the BMO Center for Rockford and 3,700 on Saturday night. And I was, that seemed like kind of a low number for AHL hockey. Am, am I being, am I expecting too much or does that seem like a low number? I, I would have to look it up. It just seems like in that market, that's probably what you're drawing. I think the arena maybe holds 5,200 anyway, so. Yeah, it was weird because they had a promotion on Friday night where one of the nicknames for Rockford is Screw City because of the of the industrial um, town that it is. It was, used to be the number one producer of screws in the United States. So, I mean, you can take that Screw City name in a lot of different directions, but... Uh, a pretty catchy little logo and has some special uniforms for the night. And Rockford has generally been a pretty decent uh, minor league sports town, so especially with um, being the main farm team for the Chicago Blackhawks. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about attendance there. It's hard to say if there's anything else going around town or if the weather was a little iffy or anything. But to me, I, I've, I've done a road trip there, and I know they do have a pretty passionate fan base. See that—that's why we have Kevin Luke on the show. See, giving us good historical information too, because I would never have associated Rockford with screws. But uh, there we go. So I didn't nice either until I, I saw the special uniforms, and I thought, "Well, that looks—it's pretty interesting." Uh, currently, as Kevin and I are talking, Rockford with a huge seven-four lead with a little under three minutes left in that contest. Uh, but a very tough night uh, here for the Wild as they. I gave up two goals in the first, three in the second, and two more in the third. Um, I believe that uh, Ballstead started this game, gave up five goals on 19 shots before he was replaced by McIntyre, which, you know, I was talking with Coach Army a few years ago. He's not a guy who likes to pull a goaltender, Kevin, so must have just been a very tough night for Ballstead, and he thought, I, I just don't got it tonight. That or you're just trying to find a spark, too. Could be true. Fogarty with two goals in that game, though, Kevin, four in his last three contests. So um, he looks like, you know, they, they need somebody to step up with Walker gone, and Fogarty may be that guy for him. Well, Kevin, let's That's drop to the yeah. – yeah, let's drop to the ECHL now. And uh, very interesting week for the Iowa Heartlanders. Lose all three games and come away with three points out of it by taking Newfoundland to overtime in each one of those games. And spectacular performance by the club, to be honest with you. It's a, It's got to be a tough place to go and try to win games. Uh, I never realized until I did some research of my own that the time zone is like two and a half hours ahead of the central time zone. And I imagine that's 
gotta be a tough um tough way to keep your routine going and just a just a real different area altogether so i can imagine that would uh that could work both ways. You know, there's maybe not a ton going on there where maybe it's a little easier to focus on hockey and maybe it's somewhere that you wouldn't normally go where you get too much in the tourist mode, but it was uh, three pretty entertaining hockey games with the Growlers. Yeah, they they come away with uh, three, send all three of these games to overtime, one of losing all of them, four straight games for the Heartlanders that they have lost in overtime. But, you know, hey, you're coming away with a point each time. And, you know, I, I think as you're, before kind of talking about those games, Kevin, as you're looking at this team, I mean, you, you feel like, wow, just, is it one one more player? Is it, you know, I mean, is it just a little bit better goal thing? Well, you you got to feel like there's just that one thing right now is missing that gets this club rolling. It could be a player. It could be a system change. It could be about anything. But when you look at the bigger picture, um, sure, they lost um, a bunch of games in overtime, but those one points uh, add up. And when you look at the standings right now, the Heartlanders are only six points behind the Kalamazoo Wings for a playoff spot. So those points just gradually add up. And if they can get on a little bit of a hot streak here, they can – Make some noise in the playoff chase. But you're right. Absolutely. They just got to find that one. I don't know if they have to find uh, if there's like that one elite score they can they can go on getting you know it shows how much you're missing Chris Bennett right now. But or maybe it's just something a different way you go about overtime. Maybe you try some different guys. Obviously, when you lose that many games in overtime, it's Something's just not clicking. I know one of the games it was a matter of they lost, uh, they end up on a penalty kill and end up losing the game on a power play goal. But I don't know, just got to tamper with something, change something up, and um, see if you can find find something. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point, Kevin, because this team with not nine overtime games in the last month. So you know you're going to be playing a lot of them. So you, you better figure out what it takes just to win some of those games because you're, it seems like that's, that's your mode of operation right now that you're in. But, uh, Wednesday night, they fall behind 2 nothing. battle back to cut a, a 2-1 deficit as uh, t- uh, Tommy Peratino winds up scoring on a power play to cut it in, that deficit in half. And Newfoundland extends their lead back to two, but a great comeback. Two, two third-period goals, including a great goal by James Sanchez with 16 left in, in the contest, where they win a draw inside the uh, Newfoundland zone and are able to convert that into a goal to send that to overtime. But Nolan Walker comes up with a game winner. Hunter Jones, who looked great all weekend, I thought Kevin, uh, stops, uh, uh, gives up four goals in the game, but stops 25. And he earned three points for the team, too. So I, I thought he's, he's looking a little more comfortable with this group, and he got every start this week. And I think that's good for him just to get consistent playing time. Granted, it's it's tough to play uh, the back end of a back-to-back with the same goalie, but I just think right now it's, it's best for Jones' development as a player to be consistently getting ice time and not being in a, any sort of a timeshare or as he was with Iowa Wild, just not playing at all. So, you know, 
there's going to be some nights where at that level, um, systems tend to not play so well where you're going to get left out hanging. And some nights the stat sheet's not going to look pretty, but I think in the long run, I think it's going to be uh, be good for Jones' development. You know, a guy that you're familiar with with Wichita, Stuart Skinner, he was a ECHL guy himself, and now he's looking like he's going to challenge Jack Campbell for the starting spot with the Edmonton Oilers. And who's to say, you know, if um, Hunter Jones can get on a roll with uh, Heartlanders, he's a young guy yet, maybe eventually if um, Volstead goes to Minnesota in a couple years, maybe Jones starts playing all the time with um, Iowa Wild, maybe eventually Jones is a NHL goaltender. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing, too, Kevin, when uh, Skinner was with Wichita, Dylan Wells was the guy who come down from the Oilers as well that was the, the guy that was supposed to be the heir apparent. But Wells now uh, playing a, playing for Rockford, um, and I don't know what his position is in terms of the organization out there, whether they're thinking he's going to get a shot with the Blackhawks or not, but um, uh, Skinner made himself all the way up there, earned his spot, dominated Bakersfield, so... A guy can, it was consistent play, I think, which all goaltenders need. They they need, they want to be in the net every night. They want to be Martin Brodeur kind of thing. And uh, Jones has not really been given that opportunity since his rookie season. So I think, I, I feel like, Kevin, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I feel like the organization is, is kind of telling the Heartlanders, let's try to give this guy as much playing time as possible because we need to know if he's going to be a guy we can depend upon in the future. You know, I was uh, discussing this with in a Facebook thing with a couple of Heartlander fans. When you look at the roster right now, who is Minnesota given the Heartlanders other than Jones? I don't think anybody. I don't think there is a single draft pick. I mean, even last year, Fedor Gordiev, I think, was the only draft pick that was. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, the name of the Russian player that escaped. Kovanov. Kovanov was also a, a wild draft pick, but right now there is no wild, exclusive wild Minnesota wild property on that team. There are some guys that are on a two-way contract with the Iowa Wild and ECHL, but there is nobody that is a Minnesota wild draft pick property that is playing on that team. And that's a big deal, too. It's one of the things that ECHL clubs look for when they're creating their affiliate with a, a, a an NHL team. I, I saw this last year with Wichita. They, they were with the Edmonton Oilers, signed with the San Jose Sharks now, and they're looking for to get at least a couple of guys to come down, if not four or five. And it is usually those teams like Toledo last year, Kevin, had a bunch of guys that came down um, to, to their team from the NHL club, and, and the results were there. You know, I mean, they were, they were one of the most dominant teams in the league last season, and so when you don't get any help from the NHL club, it's very tough. But unfortunately, I think for the Heartlanders, because of the proximity to Minnesota and, and the natural of them being the AHL team, the ECHL team with the AHL team right down the road, yeah, they're, they're not getting out of that deal anytime soon. And so I, I, I think they just got to hope Minnesota is going to be a little more generous with them in the future. They got to feel their pigeonholed right now into – their spot as Minnesota's, per se, double-A team. And maybe it comes to the point where 
there's going to be more current or more wild draft picks within the last year or two of turning pro, and maybe it gets to the point where there's going to be an overabundance of guys that are not ready for the NHL, and there might not be enough room for them with Iowa where they do filter down to the Heartlanders. But at this point, it's not there, and it just makes it tough to really build a team that can be a contender because, you know, these guys are draft picks for a reason. It's not because they got lucky. It's because they have ability. And and I just think it's just a, such a tough situation for the Heartlanders. Right now they're going to, you know, SPHL teams to try to find guys that can potentially give them a boost. And it's just unfortunate that they just – they're in a situation where the parent team is – giving them a goaltender and then not really a help a lot much more than that. On Saturday night, jump out to another two-goal lead, uh, then give up two power play goals to allow the Growlers to get back on this contest. Once again, jump out in front on a Cole Stallard goal, 14.55 into the second. But those Newfoundland Growlers, there's a reason why they are at the top of their division, and, and they battle back with a goal a little over seven minutes left in the contest, then win another one on a power play goal. Three power play goals that the Growlers score in that game. Um, that's definitely an area you and I have talked about, them improving their special teams. And, I mean, that really was a, a, a significant reason why Newfoundland came away with three victories last week. Yeah, that's a big reason. And I noticed uh, for Newfoundland they had the the reigning um, Hobie Baker Award winner Dryden McKay playing for them, and McKay was playing down from the Toronto Marlies, and I believe the other guy that played was also a, a Marlies goaltender too, as he had the blue and white um, pads and mask on. And I think they had some help too from their from the Marlies also, even though they were playing a little shorthanded themselves. But it was. Um, you know, like you said, it was a pretty entertaining weekend of hockey in Newfoundland. And as a guy that was doing research on the area during the weekend, I told my wife, I said, you know, that wouldn't be the worst place to go take a vacation and just check out a different um, different area. Very true. Well, Kevin, ten nine and one is Kalamazoo. Uh, the Heartlanders 4-9-7, and seven, as you mentioned, separated by six points. Kalamazoo comes to town for three games this week. What do you look for out of this Heartlanders club? I look for a team that uh, wants to still establish their identity, and I think they're going to need to do that. And, you know, I hate to harp upon it, but frankly, I think if you're going to draw fans and make this franchise really go, you're going to have to eventually become a winning team, man. If he can make a statement this weekend against a team that is currently in a playoff spot, maybe that goes a long ways towards um, getting some eyes on the team. But it'll be uh, the first game's going to be Wednesday morning, probably after this um, podcast has come out. But they're playing a 10:30 a.m. game, so you'll have a lot of screaming school kids rooting on the Heartlander. So maybe that will give them a little boost of energy, but they need to show some wins for these um, home fans and maybe get over that whole thing with um, losing in overtime. 
Well, Kevin, the Christmas uh, break coming up here. I, I know you're going to have a great Christmas uh, memory to share with us here for the Minnesota Wild fans out there. Oh, boy. Christmas things are wild. You know, frankly, I, there just isn't that real Christmas moment I can think of. I'm sorry, I don't really have anything for you this week on that front. Well, what, what, what should we kind of looking for for Minnesota Wild, Iowa Wild, and Minnesota and Iowa Heartlanders fans out there? What, 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 what are you kind of looking for a big moment for this week? I think it's um, obviously it's just racking up wins and showing that each team I think needs to show that they're just not a middle of the pack team. They're a team that's going to make some noise um, come the first of the year and on through the rest of the season. Pretty cut and dry. And Fantastic. Kevin Loco, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure, Rob.